High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Ah, sure, there's nothing like a little bit of uh, Dolly Parton. But take a listen to this. Let me be very clear. I did not collude with Russia, nor do I know of anyone else in the campaign who did so. I had no improper contacts. I have not relied on Russian funds for my businesses. And that, of course, is Jared Kushner in a rose garden and nobody apparently has promised him a pardon either but I am joined now to discuss this and other matters with the wonderful Michael Graham from Washington DC Michael you're very welcome to the programme Thank you for lowering your standards for wonderfulness I truly appreciate that I I hope to maintain the low standards we've come to expect here on News Talk Come here, we're going to get to to the fact that the Russians are running the White House and all that in just a moment Uh but talk to me a little bit first about grade inflation because I know you're very animated about grade inflation this week so you want to jump in that first? I, I, that's absolutely fine with me. I was going to get the Kushner stuff out of the way. <laughs> we'll we'll so come little... back to Kushner. I'm going to work okay, up to him. Okay, you got it, you got it. So, so here's the story. Uh, American students are dumber than they've ever been. They know less stuff. They're, the standardized tests that we use show that despite pumping in gazillions of dollars in new spending, the average score is flat or falling. But at the same time, the grades Americans are getting, you know, the, the scores, are going through the roof. In fact, <clears throat> a new uh, a story, USA Today, the story, that half of all the grades that were given were A's, the top grade. That was half. There's, you know, it's, it's the most amazing floating average. Everybody's above average, Kira. Isn't that, it's just, you it's see, new math. You see, that's we, crazy, isn't it? How can everyone be above average and yet some people will think that they can be? Well, they have to be. Of course they have to be, because how dare you you know, hurt someone's self-esteem by suggesting that they are not above average. And so this is the problem. In 1973, the average GPA of students at a four-year college was 2.9 out of four, and only about 30% of the grades were A's. As of 2013, the average had gone up to 3.15, and more A's were given out than other grades. And at some schools, Kira... More gray A's are given out than all the other grades combined. <laughs> Once again, meanwhile, standardized tests show kids no less than ever. But, you know, Ireland has the same problem. Oh, we problem. do. We totally do. Yes, you do. 33% uh, uh, increase in the rise of first class honours degrees. That's just ridiculous. And the grade inflation is so bad that your employers are now starting to treat degrees from different colleges and grades from different colleges differently. I know that Trinity College still has a you know relatively good reputation, and so their top marks are still viewed as top marks. Whereas at the other schools, people go, "Yeah, you see, but that's not really as, it." As someone who went to one of the other schools, UCD, when I did medicine, when you looked at what people got in my university and when you looked at people what people got in Trinity and it was no harder to get into Trinity by the way so it was it was equally difficult to get into both there was a much higher rate of first class honours in medicine and honours degrees in medicine in Trinity than there was in UCD so we used to feel quite snobby about Trinity being crap <laughs> to be honest so there you go if you are if you did go to Trinity uh, do tell us and people you never meet someone from Trinity that doesn't tell you that they went to Trinity so if you did go to Trinity maybe let us know and it's exactly, tell us it's what, like, were your grades inflated it, it's 5, like, 3, 1, 6 
it's like um, people in America who went to Harvard. You know, the the only the the biggest the the shortest period of time ever measured by scientists is the time it takes a Harvard grad who you first met to tell you that he's a Harvard grad. Yes. I happen to think that vegans are right behind them yes. in their time lapse on letting you know that they're vegans, but that's close. But here, this is what I, I wonder about the listeners. So we all know recent college graduates. We all know current college students. Do we think that they are smarter, better informed, you know, better at math than a generation ago? Does anybody think that? Because I know that they're not. Not only do I know they're not from personal anecdotal experience, we have the data. We have the test scores. And one reason why they're not getting better, for example, math, is because the chancellor of the California community college system, community colleges are kind of our you can't, you know, you don't, you can't really do the top academic schools, but you need some additional training to, to get maybe a, a job, say, in a medical technology or something. The chancellor of the whole system says we need to stop requiring algebra because algebra is racist. And so we will end the racism of algebra and solve the problem. OK, I, I, you've lost me. How can algebra be racist? Because a disproportionate number of uh, black and Hispanic students fail algebra. So obviously the math is racist. It can't be that we force them into crappy public schools. It can't be that we uh, uh, you know, uh, grade inflate them all the way through high school. No, 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 no. It has to be that the algebra is... <laughs> it's an inherently is, racist thing. Which is weird because algebra was largely developed in the Middle East, yes, in North was. Africa. Yes, it was. So apparently this was part of a secret plot of evil North African self-loathing black people 5,000 <laughs> years ago to come, or 2,500 years ago to come up with a system to keep people down in Western Europe, which, of course, feeds right back into the entire idiotic conversation about how Western culture is evil and oppressive and how dare Donald Trump support it. We all know that Westerners are the bad guys and blah, 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 which, once again, if you teach people that and then send them to college, they'll be morons in college. <laughs> Tell me this, Michael, do we think that this is happening? Because we know it's happening. It's happening in the States. It's happening here too. And in fact, one of our my guests earlier was talking about Project Maths, which was the evolution of the mathematics curriculum here. And apparently it's made maths considerably easier. So it's, it's, it's a downward spiral all the time. But what is this about? Is this about just expediency for, for teachers who don't want to say little Johnny is not you know, a grade A student, he's just a Joe Bloggs average and, I, and I, I don't want to upset him and his parents. So I'll take the easy route by just saying, yes, yes, he is brilliant. Yeah, I think the easy route is part of it. But I think I, I put point more towards the parents, et cetera. What happens here in the States is a mediocre student finishes high school and his parents and his teachers and guidance counselor and the president of the United States when President Obama was president all say, you belong in college. Well, no, he doesn't belong in college. He's a mediocre high school student, even with great inflation. But because there's so much social pressure, because mommy doesn't want to be the only person at her garden club whose son or daughter didn't go to college, they foist little Johnny off to college where he becomes not a student or scholar, but a revenue source. All of the money that we throw at colleges comes through the kids, the federal grants, the federal loans, the federal aid. So the school's job is to keep little Johnny there until he has maxed out every loan he and his middle-class family can possibly get. And once you've driven him $50,000 in debt, 
and he can't qualify for any more loans, then you dump him because he doesn't make you any more money. And so he's the, the job of the professor is to keep that revenue source in school until he's maxed out the credit cards. And that means inflating his grades because little Johnny doesn't want to be there. He's not interested in college. He's not interested in the courses. And so he you know, spends all his – the only thing – the average American college student learns in four years of subsidized college is how to turn any cylindrical object into a bong. <laughs> Other than that, the time is largely wasted for half the kids. So are you saying that this is actually a conspiracy between students, their parents and educational institutions like schools yeah, and colleges to keep, to keep this going? I would leave the students out largely because once again, why are the kids there? I mean, you know, and you've spent time in academia, you know. I certainly for have. Every, for every student who wants to be there, who's going to find a way to learn no matter what, there's another student who doesn't want to be there and isn't going to learn no matter what you do to the kid. So that kid is just there for party, girl chasing, keggers, blah, 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 blah. He's not in a conspiracy. It's people say, hey, go party for four years and then worry about it later. He goes. It's the parents and the education bureaucrats. The education bureaucrats get rich. The parents pat themselves on the back. The rest of society says, we're good. We sent more kids to college. And now your college degree is so worthless that in the United States, the cash utility of a uh, bachelor's degree is now zero. It is no longer worth a single dollar more than having not gone to college in the first place if you adjust for the economic conditions of the kid before he went to college. Wow, so, so it's totally devalued. Can we move on to something uh, slightly different? Let's talk a little bit about your, your Russian overlords. Um, <laughs> it, it, currently, uh, we, we saw the footage of, of Jared Kushner speaking from the Rose Garden, which in itself was a bit peculiar considering his role as that of special advisor, whatever you wouldn't necessarily normally see such a, a right. role make such a speech. Um, tell me, but how, how does the the ordinary American and I, <laughs> or, or if you know any ordinary Americans, how how do they feel about, uh, as I say, your, your Russian overlords? I proudly represent normal Americans everywhere. I am not one, but I admire them tremendously, and I hope to give them voice. And the vast majority of Americans roll their eyes at the story. They have no interest in the Russia story at all. It sounds completely like inside politics, blah, 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 because nobody can answer the question. So what is it you're saying the crime is? What is the crime? Collusion, for example, isn't a crime. It's a, you know, it's, it may be evil, it may be bad, it may be embarrassing, but it's not a crime. No one can even answer that question. And nobody has shown any evidence at all that Donald Trump made some deal with the Russians. You win the election for me and I'll whatever, you know, give you, you know, the Ukraine or the Sudetenland or whatever, you know, there's none of that. There's no evidence that the Russians, you know, hacked a single vote they, you know, they sent about a bunch of uh, social media crap. You know, they uh, 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 grabbed DNC emails and got them out. So they, you know, put information into the system. But nobody says they turned a single vote, and nobody can show a single thing that Donald Trump has done that the Russians like. So we're all the vast majority of Americans look at the story. It is completely student government journalism. All the pointy-headed kids in the front of the class are all yelling about it. All the kids in the second row and back are just looking at each other, going, "You got a job yet?" You know, how, how's your health care? They fix that thing yet? That's where we are. Do you know what's fascinating, though, to us from the outside looking in is, is for, for, for more than a generation, there was a degree of paranoia in America about the Russians, the Reds under the beds, the McCarthy era, all of that. They were your, your old foe from the Cold War. And yet now you seem blissfully unconcerned about the fact that, yes, they may not be able to identify specifically things that they've done apart from manipulating social and mainstream media, perhaps, apart from 
potentially uh, smearing some things to do with, with Hillary Clinton and, and promoting some things to do with Donald Trump. But does it not bother you at all that a foreign power is interfering? Does it not make you suspicious or paranoid on any level that a foreign power clearly wanted an outcome in your election and got that outcome, particularly when that foreign power is Russia? Yeah, and isn't it amazing that all the people on the left who said Ronald Reagan was crazy for treating the Russians like an adversary and who just said in 2012 that Mitt Romney was wrong to call them the number one geopolitical foe that, quote, the 80s called and want their policy back. The same people who defend the Rosenbergs, the same people who defend Alger Hiss, all Soviet spies are now saying, hey, Russia's evil. Why aren't we more paranoid about Russia? So that's almost as funny to me as what you describe. But look, I'm a longtime Russia hater. I have no problem hating <laughs> the Russians. Of course they tried to screw with our election. Of course we should try to punish them. But n- here's the problem. Everybody knows that the longtime uh, 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 anti-confront-the-Russians liberals who are coming after Trump have no interest in the geopolitical part of this. They just want to get Trump. If there was any real belief that there was any real outrage, particularly since Hillary Clinton's own campaign folks hired uh, a, a group to work with spies in Russia to get dirt on Donald Trump. And now the guy who's in charge of that organization, Fusion GPS, refuses to testify in front of uh, Congress, even though he's been subpoenaed. See, we all know this is all just politics. I agree that Russia's a real problem. I agree that what happened in the Crimea was horrible. I agree that President Obama screwed Russian relations terribly. I agree that Hillary Clinton and the zillions of dollars her foundation took from the Russians while she was secretary of state is a horrible thing. I agree with all of that, but that's not what the story is about. This story is about 42% of Americans right now want to impeach Donald Trump, but cannot name anything he's done that's illegal. And when you get to a point in a democracy where you want to impeach the guy who won because you don't like him, because he's the guy who won, you are now entering a post-democratic phase. And that disturbs me a lot more than the fake worry about our uh, uh, comrades in you know, <laughs> Moscow. One of the things you said about a post-democratic phase, one of the things that also confuses us, you know, us, <laughs> what do you call us, Euro-weeners? Us Euro-weenies. Euro-weenies yes. from the outside looking in as well is, is, is this, this notion of post-democracy. Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump, yet she didn't win the election. How is your democracy functional in any way? Well, it's a great question. It's the same question as why do members of the United States Senate who represent a state have equal amounts of power, even though, you know, one state is Rhode Island with, you know, which is about the size of Dublin, literally, and one state is, you know, New York and California. It's part of our system. We have a lot of checks and, you know, America's never had pure democracy and the founders, you know, rejected pure democracy. We've always had a democratic republic. That is a system of ways for the people's voices to be heard. So you have congressmen who are elected district by district and each district has the same number of people in it. And then you have the Senate, which represents the states collectively. And then you have this system to elect the president, which is a combination of the two. I, you know, you could argue that we should have a straight democratic, uh, uh, you know, a popular vote for the president. I don't have any strong you know, feeling about that either way. The difference is that Donald Trump knew how to do the math 
and Hillary Clinton didn't. And for all the screaming about the evil Russians, no one has told me the Russian plan that kept Hillary from campaigning in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Ohio the last three weeks of the campaign. So I'm, just, I'm you know, in, until someone shows me, you know, Boris and Natasha dragging Hillary away from a podium in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I'm going to say she lost this election. That's what happened. She knew the rules. She knew the system. Her husband won the presidency with 43% of the popular vote the first time. She knows the system. She screwed it up. All right. Okay. Look, on that note, I will leave it with my comrade there in arms, Michael Graham, uh, as ever on a Tuesday. And he'll be back with us next week to talk about everything that happens stateside and all that kind of stuff. Coming up after this, we will be talking to someone in the northeast whose business is affected by that water shortage that uh, we talked about at the top of the show. And we'll also be maybe getting back to some more of those uh, texts about people um, screaming mostly at me about uh, giving out about us not having water charges. Do stay tuned for that.